The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks so much for joining us again here on Winning Ponies. Amazing week last week down at Gulfstream Park. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Just want to give you a, a heads up on our guest. Uh, our guest handicapper is going to be a guy that's no stranger to the show, and that is my friend Rich Ng, a handicapper out in Vegas, a writer, an author. Uh, it, it wanted, I love his book, Handicapping for Dummies. If you got anybody that you want to bring into the game, get that book. It's really easy to read. It's just like any one of those other math for dummies or car engine fixing for dummies books. He takes you through step by step and it has been updated. So it makes for a great, great gift. Uh, So Rich is going to be with us uh, at the bottom of the hour. And uh, we're going to look at not one, not two, but three races that are going to give points to the top horses to get into the Kentucky Derby on the first Saturday of May. Uh, out west at Santa Anita, it's the Robert B. Lewis, and this one's probably the toughest one to handicap. Uh, I would not be surprised to see a long shot come up and, and win that race. It goes a mile on the 16th. A little shorter field, uh, Aqueduct, the Withers, but has a couple standouts in there. I'm dying to see who Rich likes. Uh, uh, Marconi and Avery Island look uh, really tough in, in there. Uh, but that's not to say there is, isn't plenty of other talent. Of course, uh, Todd Pletcher's hedging his bet. He only has three horses in this year's Withers. And then uh, at Gulfstream Park, down with my buddy Pete Iello, it is the Holy Bull, and I read an interesting story this week that the, the Holy Bull, I believe, of all the two-year-old prep races, has delivered more horses that ended up running in the Kentucky Derby uh, than any other race. So uh, it's grade two, $350,000, and uh, this should be very interesting. Probably two of the headline grabbers there would be Enticed and Tis Mischief. Uh, so Riching is going to be with us for those races. And then uh, is our first guest is going to be a guest we had on not too long ago. She's a, an expert on everybody's favorite horse of this generation, Big Red Secretariat, Patricia McQueen. When I had her on several weeks ago, we just got talking so much, and I probably talked too much, and was telling so many stories about Big Red that uh, we, we just ran it ran out of time. So I wanted to get Patricia back on uh, to talk about her uh, uh, lifelong uh, love of Big Red and the fantastic calendar she's put out that benefits uh, three different charities. Now, uh, be- I hope some of you pulled down our easy win forms. You just go to winningponies.com. It's pretty easy to do, and they're easy to learn how to read to help you with your handicapping. But uh, it was a good week at Gulfstream. Uh, just today, in the second race, a $1 super high five returned $2,233. At the other track in Florida that's racing right now, and this is a lot of people's favorites, they really fill the field. It's got a nice turf course, and that's Tampa Bay Downs. 
um, about uh, oh five days ago had a one dollar super five key that paid one thousand nine hundred ninety eight. And another $1 Super 5 key two days later that paid $1,884. So, Winning Ponies Easy Win Forms covers from coast to coast. And it's something that's going to make your handicapping a little bit easier and hopefully a little more beneficial. Well, of course, the uh, big race of the year so far uh, took place in the Pegasus World Cup. We're talking 16,300,000 up for grabs. And bad post position or not, Gunrunner got the job done. Just two days previous to that, he was elected the Eclipse Champion Horse of the Year. He went off uh, about four to five, I think, which I think was a gift. A lot of people, I know the 10-hole is not good at Gulfstream, but Gunrunner is an outstandingly exceptional horse. Uh, did manage to come up with a try, uh, thanks to uh, uh, Gunavera getting up at uh, 13 to 1. So uh, I was very happy about that. That's another horse for course, a good angle to watch when you're handicapping at Gulfstream Park. Uh, but uh, basically, you know, Florent Giroux kind of just let him amble on out of there. Um, he, you know, didn't uh, didn't ride him too hard, obviously, uh, but he just got, got him to a, a great striking position, and then he just let out a notch and Gunrunner responded like the champion he is, and uh, just amazing. As a matter of fact, he fended off uh, an, another champion for the second spot, West Coast, uh, received an Eclipse Award last Thursday, too. Uh, just a, an unbelievable career. Of course, we know he started last season um, with the loss to Arrogate in Dubai, another multi, multi-million race. But then since then, won every race for the rest of the year. And with the 7 million winner share of the purse, he moved past California Chrome and into second on the all-time earnings list with 15988000 whereas Arrogate uh, has 17422 but uh, again, that Dubai Cup was Gunrunner's last loss, and uh, w- what a horse uh, he w- was uh, on the track. He's uh, going to go join his uh, daddy, Candy Ride, at Three Chimneys Farm, and uh, you know, Giroux said he was just waiting for my signal, and we just took off. And I'm sure most of you, if you're listening to this show, watched the race, and uh, it was a pretty awesome performance. We're going to miss him at the races. It'll be happy to watch his babies coming up in the years ahead. Well, uh, a lot of uh, trophies given out last Thursday. Now let's talk about the babies. Uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile gave the eclipse to good magic he was a runner-up in his first two starts but uh the son of curlin 
uh, who's trained by Chad Brown, is the seventh Breeders' Cup juvenile winner in the past 10 years to earn end-of-the-year divisional honors. Now, here's how the scorecard came up. Uh, of course, a lot of people liked Bolt Dioro throughout the entire year. So, Good Magic got 131 votes over 113 for Bolt Dioro. And then it was Catholic Boy and Firenze Fire. Um getting votes and i'm sure these horses are going to see each other down the road on the three-year-old uh tests as we get closer and closer to the derby so good magic uh got the top spot for the boys as far as the girls are concerned it was caledonia road who got the nod as champion two-year-old philly um more often than not, the winner of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies uh, earns the Eclipse Awards, the two-year-old champion, and that held sway as Caledonia Road took the top prize after a three-and-a-quarter length at Del Mar that day during the national championships. She ended up with 161 votes over Rushing Fall, who had 68, and Moonshine Memories, 17. So that's a look at the juvenile races. And West Coast, this was always a question throughout the whole year, was who, who's the best three-year-old? You know, we had three different winners at the three Triple Crown races, and all of a sudden, who starts blossoming? But West Coast uh, winning the Traverse Stakes, he placed in the Breeders' Cup Classic. No disgrace uh, behind the great gun runner, but... Uh, you know, patience paid off for his connections. Uh, they, they let him develop, and uh, so he, he ended up uh, becoming the three-year-old champion as far as the boys were concerned. West Coast, 229 votes over Always Dreaming's 14. As we move along to the three-year-old filly, it was Abel Tasman got the three-year-old filly uh, title. It wasn't a perfect season for her, but nonetheless, uh, Abel Tasman uh, did win uh, the Kentucky Oaks, and uh, her resume was right there all the time. I mean, she was uh, she was always facing uh, top quality uh, horses throughout the entire year, and she ended up getting 244 votes over Unique Bella in that division. Uh, moving on, of course, the older dirt male, duh, big surprise, Gunrunner got the vote there. Actually, Arrogate got three to Gunrunner's 247 in the balloting. Then it was Forever Unbridled, got the champion older dirt female. Uh, you know, I mean, she wasn't raced that much, but when she showed up, she was unbelievable and faced the toughest company, Uh winning her three races and just a great job by Dallas Stewart. So, uh, you know, Charles Fipke did a great job. Got, uh, sold lemons forever. Of course was, it was an Oaks winner, uh, Kentucky Oaks winner. And, uh, so ended up being a, a great mare. And so forever and proud, you might remember she had a bone chip after the 2016 disc staff. So, you know, what she didn't do in numbers, she made up in quality uh, for sure. So uh, again, congratulations to the great job that trainer Dallas Stewart uh, did this year. And uh, let's not forget trainers. Chad Brown got his second straight eclipse as the top trainer. 215 votes over only 16 for Bob Baffert, 13 for Steve Asmussen, and that's pretty good company. Chad Brown amassed over $26 million in earnings in 2007 alone in his career. 
He's won $121 million in 10 years. Top Jack, Jose Ortiz, got the clips right there. And uh, doesn't surprise a lot of people. He did uh, get 189 to Mike Smith's 45. And his brother got 10 as far as the jockeys are concerned. And I believe it's called Ivan Roman. He uh, secured the top spot as the apprentice jockey, a graduate of the famous Esculia La Vocational Hipisa Jackie School in Peru. I probably just slaughtered that. But, of course, we all know that uh, Johnny V came out of the same school, a big supporter of it, and uh, he ended up uh, being far and away the top apprentice jockey in vote totals, 232 over Katie Clausen and Jen Miller. Uh, World Approval uh, got the uh, turf male eclipse, and uh, that was no big surprise. Just an unbelievably sensational season. And let's not forget the lady we all loved, Lady Eli, exits racing on top with the turf female eclipse, 203 votes over Wuhita, who had 33, and Off Limits, who had 12. What a great story of her overcoming almost career-ending laminitis to come back and become a, a champion. And then Roy H., he was named the champion sprinter, and uh, he's going to be back in action pretty soon. Uh, but uh, I believe he's going he's in training out on the West Coast. I think he might be pointing towards the Malibu Stakes. Uh, I'll have to uh, get online. But he had 241 votes over Imperial Hint. And that is Roy H., the quickest of them all as far as the Eclipse Awards are concerned. And Unique Bella got champion female sprinter. And uh, she... Uh, you know, w- w- was just sensational and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing her down the road. Real quick, as uh, we're getting ready to come to our first break, of course, I already told you uh, the results of the Pegasus World Championship. But if you played a Superfecta, it was Gunrunner over West Coast over Gunavera, who beat Fear the Cowboy, who was sent away at 30. To one, we'll go backwards. Earlier in the day, the Gulfstream Park Sprint. Well, that went to Rainbow Air. The closer versus the speed, and it paid off. The closer got there, finishing second at thirty-five to one was Oak Bluffs, and third was Richard's Boy, uh, who I believe was the second favorite at seven to two. Then we had the W.L. McKnight Handicap. And top spot in there went to Oscar-nominated, a horse that uh, my friend Dan Illman liked a lot. So Oscar-nominated from the Mike Maker barn got the job, uh, the, the job done there on the grass, a kitten's joy. No big surprise there. And the last one we looked at was the La Provente, and the winner in there was texting a very well-timed ride by Javier Cab. Castellano at seven to one. Uh, in in the second spot was Daring Duchess, who almost stole it. I mean, Jose Ortiz tried to go wire to wire, put space between him and the rest of the field, but texting caught him at the wire. Third spot went to Tara Lena. All right, that's a look at the champions from this year, the top races from last week. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and we come back. We're going to talk to Patricia McQueen. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the Easy Win Form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is a return guest, Patricia McQueen, an award-winning photographer, journalist, a lifelong horse racing fan who fell in love with uh, the sport through watching Secretariat on television back in 1973 when she was a preteen. I wish I could say I was a preteen back in 73, but that's not the case. So um, she she's developed into a really excellent photographer, but it seems like uh, the soul of her work has been um, not seeking out the life and times of Secretariat and, and the, the offspring, of course, they're becoming fewer and fewer, and I want to quiz her on that a, a little bit. But uh, you get a chance to see a lot of her photography. And I know it's February 1st. It's like, well, I already bought all my calendars. Doesn't matter. Buy this one, and you'll have 12 fantastic large photos in color to frame, maybe even more. I don't know. I'll let Patricia answer that. Patricia McQueen, welcome back to Winning Ponies. Thanks, John. appreciate it. Well, you know, I, I the one thing, I'm going to do this now so I don't forget at the bottom of the interview because I got so long-winded the last time I had you on sharing stories about uh, Big Red. And uh, is the work that you've done for three separate charities uh, in the, I believe it's the, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the living legends of, of Secretariat as, as you have followed uh, his offspring over the years. Correct. This this piece is is actually his his living legends because they are his last foals, the last ones that have that are still surviving out there. Uh, it, the calendar contains nine of them. The publicity for the calendar turned up one more, so she's not in there. But there are nine that are still alive that I know of. T- well, ten now, and uh, 
so I've been on a mission to find the remaining the remaining ones. The youngest is 28. The oldest is 35. And I'm um, hoping that maybe there's still more out there. We don't know. Well, uh, tell me about the one that where you got contacted after your calendar went out. Uh, yes, yeah, somebody just emailed me saying that, that they thought she was still alive, and I traced her down, uh, and she is, in fact, still alive. So uh, she's a good one. Her name is Ball Chairman. And uh, now, before we go any further, because uh, is I w- want to talk about uh, not only the, the the beauty and the historical perspective of the calendar, but uh, the people that it benefits. Sure. Um, in the process of, of doing, going out and photographing these horses, I, I met three groups that uh, are, are very worthy, and they work hard. Two of them are equine rescues, because that's where these three of these horses live in these places. Two live at rescues. One was a rescue case. One, one was not a rescue case, but he lives there anyway. So there were two rescues, and they worked so hard, and I, I wanted to come up with a fundraiser, and so we decided, I decided to do the calendar. So these two rescue operations, one's called Bright Futures Farm, it's in Pennsylvania, and one's called Victory Alliance Ranch, it's in Alabama, and they each, own, they each have an a, 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 a old secretariat living there. The third beneficiary is Virginia Tech's Mayor Center, which is an agricultural research station that, ha- that specializes in equine. So they, they, it, they teach students all about things, horse, horse, they, horse things, including stallion management, and the, the, the stallion innkeeper is a, is a 30-year-old secretariat. So over the years, the last several years, he's helped the students learn about stallion management. So those three are, are, are really good groups to try to raise some money for. So that's what I wanted to do with the calendar. Now, Patricia, when you say rescue, uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out, I mean, were these horses going to go to slaughter or were they just being discarded? The two secretariats, no, one of them was was never in danger. He just simply, his owner had, had passed away and the trainer who was keeping him at the owner's farm needed a place to put him. So he, he contacted this friend of his that happened to own a, a, a run a rescue and sanctuary and so she, she took him on. But So he was never in any danger at, at all. The other one was, in fact, found abandoned in California, and um, so the, a rescue out there was trying to find a phone home for her. So the, the woman in Alabama took her. So uh, she she was in a, a, a sad case, but she has she's happy now. She's enjoying life down in Alabama. That is hard hard to believe. Seriously, now yeah. uh, now you said that the oldest secretary is. Is thirty five. Yes. Uh, who, who is he, and where is he or she? <laughs> his name is General Poppy, and he lives in Virginia with his owner of several, of many years. Uh, he he spent his retirement as a racehorse as, as, as a fox hunter. He was a very very good fox hunter. Really, over the years. Yeah, he he actually was bred by Barry Schwartz, uh, who's now you know he's one of Barry's one of the you know. As Barry was a, a beginning horse breeder, I guess way back then, uh, Barry Schwartz bred him, raced him. didn't didn't what didn't really want to be a racehorse, <laughs> and so. Uh, but he was he's been a, a great fox hunter, and and he is thirty five. And uh, last I heard, doing pretty well. That that is amazing. Now, uh, in in your you know quest for oh no wait wait before I get ahead of myself, we've already 
tempted people to say, well, stop talking about the, these photos of these horses and how the heck do I get one? We have an easy website to remember. It'll, it'll actually push you to the right to the ordering website, and it's, it's, secre- it's www, of course, dot secretariatslegacy.com. So it's secretariatslegacy.com, all one word. Now, uh, you know, I first became familiar with you through uh, thoroughbredracing.com. And there's a great place. It's almost like a library of the horses that you've researched and found uh, on www.thoroughbredracing.com. Am I correct? Yes, those are the stories that I've been written. Uh, a lot of these old horses have their stories there, but also other secretariats like Lady Secret and Risen Star. Their, their stories are all in there too that I've researched over the years, along with some. A lot of his stakes winners are, are, are have been profiled, and are, the stories are there. But also, like I said, most of these old ones they're there too. I, mean, I haven't finished a couple of them yet, but um, working still working on some of the old ones. Now, uh, eventually, is uh, the end game uh, a book on these horses? I certainly hope so. It really well, is fascinating great. to 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 learn their stories. Obviously, I started out with the stakes winners and his his best horses, but then suddenly I just got into these looking at these old horses, none of which would have made any news as as race horses for the most part, except one of them, Fast Market, did. He he was he was a minor stakes winner, so he he got a, he was popular. But, uh, yeah, so it's really great digging into these stories of horses that generally just didn't want to be racehorses, but really their owners just love them, and, and they, they served other purposes in life, and they had a great life, most of them. Now, obviously, while you're chronicling these horses, uh, you as an award-winning photographer are, are traveling and going out to the farms and things like that. Um, do you find a type or a personality or certain trait that Big Red passed on to these horses? Uh, it's, it, I guess what I'd have to say is it's, it's hard for me to judge that with the horses. I will say that what he passed on was the eternal admiration of the people that have these horses. <laughs> they are just tickled to death that they have these secretariats and, and that they're still out there and that they're still alive. And so he, he, he got secretary instilled that in everybody, just a love for him. And so I think these people that have his sons and daughters just love them. And, and I think that, so that's carried forward with the horses themselves. You know, all horses are individuals and their personalities. And, and uh, so that, that's, it's, it's harder to make that direct connection cause I, since I really didn't have much personal experience with Secretariat. So, but I, I will say that their owners just, just are tickled. <laughs> they love it. <laughs> That's great. Well, I, yeah, I told you I'm not going to dominate the conversation, but I do have to share one secretariat story that I didn't get out the last time we spoke. Yep. Uh, it, it was uh, we're going back to, to the early 70s, and uh, I'm originally from upstate New York and started out as a little uh, uh, racetrack rat running around Saratoga, which wasn't a bad place to run around, to be honest with you. But anyhow, <laughs> so secretariat's going to run in the Whitney. And I figure, okay, my favorite place was up by the quarter pole. So I went up there early, got my spot. I had my camera. I was shooting black and white back then. And I'm thinking, okay, right about here is where he's going to pounce and make his move. So I get ready. I've got my camera up. I'm, I'm, of course, back then it was all manual focus, but I figured out exactly what path he'd be in. And the horses went by, and I've got the most sensational picture of 
Onion passing Secretariat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that wasn't his best day. You know, when you go back in history, you realize he wasn't probably 100% for that race, but they didn't want to let the people down, and they raced him anyhow. But then what kills me, Patricia, is about, oh, I don't know, five, six years later, I'm down at the Preakness, and there's an early claiming race on the card. And who's in the race for about $6,500 but Onion? Wow. I mean, Yeah. A horse that beat Secretariat. My God. But that was yeah. H. Allen Jer- Jerkins, the giant killer. So that wasn't too much of a surprise for sure. Right. So uh, that, that, that's my last Secretariat story that, that I probably, probably can share tonight. So um, now going down the road, what's left? I mean, do, do you think there might be some more coming out of the woodwork? I, I, I thought there would be, and I was honestly a little disappointed that there were only one turned up. I, I really thought that there'd be more out there, and I, I, I'm still hoping there might be, but it's just getting harder and harder to imagine that, that there are. I, I do have in mind a, a grandson that I want to go photograph, go photograph um, but he's in Europe, so I, it, it'll take me a little effort to get there. But <laughs> Yes, it will. Yes, it will. I, hey, I traveled over to Ireland to shoot General Assembly, so no excuses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, of his sons at stud, who was the most successful? General Assembly would have to be uh-huh. his most successful son at stud. Most generally, his stakes winners were his best. Uh, his stakes winning sons were his best sires as sons, or sons of sires, I should say. Uh, General Assembly was his best one by in terms of number, in terms of stakes winners, in terms of total earnings. It was definitely General Assembly. And then Pancho Villa actually was second. Right, right. Well, because it always bothers when people go, yeah, Secretariat, but, you know, he never, you know, replicated himself at stud. Well, it's kind of hard to replicate greatness, but he did it enough, I believe, being the leading broodmare sire down the road. He was a leading two-year-old sire one year, and he was a leading general sire, or broodmare sire. You're right. He never hit the general sire list, but he was a two-year-old sire and, and, a, and a broodmare sire. All right, well, Patricia McQueen, my producer's telling me it's time for me to go to the next segment. So before I do, tell everybody one more time, if they ran and got their pen and paper, how they find your fantastic Living Legends calendar. Just go to secretariatslegacy.com, and it'll tell you a little bit about the project and let you order it. And don't let February fool you. It's a, it's a collector's edition calendar. doesn't matter what time of year it is. These old horses are priceless. Absolutely, it is. Well, Patricia McQueen, again, it's been a joy having you on Winning Ponies. I wish you nothing but the best. If you come up with any new news, you got my email, let me know. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Okay, that was Patricia McQueen, who probably knows more about Secretariat than anybody else in the world. Coming up now, one of my main men, Rich Ng, who's out there in Las Vegas. We're going to break down some of these uh, early three-year-old races that have points uh, that will affect uh, the chances of some of them getting into the Kentucky Derby. So we'll go to a quick break. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. 
VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me is Richard Ng, uh, no stranger to winning ponies. Uh, Rich and I used to kind of pal around the haunts of uh, northern Kentucky back when he was the uh, marketing PR director at uh, uh, Turfway Park at the time. And uh, so we go back a ways, but Rich since then has uh, become an, an author, uh, you know, a columnist, uh, radio shows, you name it, he's done it. But uh, yeah, he moved his uh, he moved his show over to Las Vegas. Rich, how are things out there? Hey, real good, real good, John. Great talking with you. And uh, just uh, your listeners, if they hadn't uh, seen my work recently, but I ended a 20-year run at the Las Vegas Review Journal writing columns and handicapping. But uh, I'm staying active. I'm staying I'm, I'm, Gone, but uh, from those pages, but hopefully not forgotten, John. No, you're certainly not forgotten, and I'll make sure you're not because I've got your phone number, and I'm never uh, shy <laughs> about reaching out to you, and you're always gracious with your time uh, to be here uh, on the show. Well, uh, Rich, uh, first of all, what's the weather like out there? It was about 75 and sunny. Oh, I mean, just oh, absolutely gonna- gorgeous. We're going to have a zero-degree wind chill here tomorrow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Today was one of those days where after you played 18, you, you look at your partner and say, you want to go nine more? I mean, it's just gorgeous out here today. <laughs> <laughs> Live the life, my friend. Live the life. Well, uh, I know where you were uh, last week at uh, 535 Eastern Time, and that was someplace where you could watch the Pegasus World Championship. Give me your takeaway from the race. I certainly wasn't a surprise. Even I was able to hit the trifecta. Yeah. You know, uh, as a professional handicapper, you know, you see a horse like Gunrunner, and you know he's far and away the, the best horse. And, you're, you know, for your customers, you're trying to find an avenue to try to beat him. 
but obviously he showed that uh, he was beyond that, overcame a difficult post with just a, a beautiful break and ride by Florent Giroux to put the horse right into the race. And, you know, I, I thought a horse that uh, had some chance to upset might have been sharp as Tekka, but when they did not send that horse to the lead, I think it kind of changed the, the dynamics of the race. Uh, yeah. Bob Baffert had two horses in the race. He sent collected to the front. And when he went a half and 46 and change, you knew he was probably going to run out of, run out of gasoline, you know, at some point in the stretch run. And uh, the West coast ran a huge race to, to be second, but Gunrunner was the old, the old term, uh, John, the best horse won. Absolutely. And, you know, I go online and I, uh, you know, listen to a lot of different guys and look at different people's picks. And I can't believe how many people were trying to beat Gunrunner. And I'm like, guys, we haven't seen a horse like this since Arrogate last year or early this year. You know, I said, he's... He's peaking. You know, are you watching his workouts? Are you, have you watched his last couple of races? I mean, he's done it effortlessly. And they're talking about post position from number ten at Gulfstream. It's a it's a death gate. You know, you can't win from there. I'm thinking the heck with the post position. You could put him in post position eighteen, and he would have won that race. <laughs> I mean, you, you you know, when a horse is going right, a horse is going that good. I I know a lot of the wise guys want to cash a bet against him, but I feel sorry for anybody that did. I I, I bet I bet him straight, and I put him on top of my tries, and I ended up feeling good about it at the end of the day. To be honest with you, obviously being crowned you know Eclipse champion was uh, you know no great. Uh, Shock and and to be honest with you, I was glad to see West Coast get crowned as a as top three year old. You know, there's so many horses that just because they didn't compete in the Triple Crown doesn't mean that they're not the best three year old of the year. And this horse had, had a little bit of arrogate about him, in that uh, you know Baffert has him, and he comes out and you know wins the Travers, uh, you know, and uh, you know, and they just start taking on competition is buyer figures got better and better and better and you know running behind you know gun runner and collected the breeders cup classics no embarrassment so you know he 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 was a feel-good story but i i think the real feel-good story and you just got to throw out that last race was lady eli Uh, yeah you know she got uh, cut up pretty bad in the hind leg and uh, you know just to go back to to west coast you know bob baffers had so many champions so many three-year-olds. Uh, he won the Triple Crown with American Pharaoh, but uh, I'm of the opinion that the work he did with West Coast was as good as a job he, as he's done with any three-year-old in the spring. Uh, you know, one thing that he did with this horse is, you know, he tried to give this horse a chance to get into the Triple Crown, John, but I think he realized that the horse was just a little behind in, uh, in the, as far as maturity in particular. But, you know, he shipped him to Keeneland for the Lexington and ran a huge race and just got beaten. Then uh, instead of going, you know, into the uh, Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont, he ran the easy goer at the Belmont Park. He always just, you know, found another spot to give this horse more time to mature mentally and physically. And by the time he, he unleashed this horse, he was a man. And so um, his races from the summer on were just, just phenomenal. But I thought it was a great training job by Baffert. Yeah, I mean, he reeled off five straight, you know, and, uh, you know, to to end up running, you know, third in the Breeders' Cup Classic and, you know, second in the Pegasus World Championship against, uh, you know, older horses, uh, again, 
Baffert, it's amazing. I mean, every year he pulls something like this off. It's phenomenal. Yeah, he's like a Houdini. I mean, he must be able to put his fingertips on a horse's brain and uh, have some sort of a mental telepathy because he just does a great job developing these horses, spotting them where they belong. And uh, there's there's no, there, there's a good reason why so many owners look to give Baffert a, a nice stakes winner because uh, he can he can develop them even further if they need to be developed and he spots them in the right races. Yeah, and, you know, it's exactly what he did with Arrogate. You know, he was patient, turned him into a super horse. Don't know what happened the second half of the season, and I'm sure he goes to bed at night scratching his head, too. But nonetheless, when that horse peaked, he was at the top of his game, and that's, you know, all all due, due to uh, the, the ability of Bob Baffert to figure a horse out. Yeah, no, no question about it. And then uh, he won the three-year-old Philly championship with Abel Tasman, so he's got the uh, the A and the B. He's got the male champion he's got three old uh, female champion too so uh, more kudos to Baffert the rich get richer yeah they do and another guy that's getting a rich and richer is uh, uh, the Eclipse award winning trainer Chad Brown who's just had an unbelievable uh, run over the last couple of years uh, last 10 years actually and uh Again, uh, Lady Eli throws a shoe in the break. Before that, she'd never finished worse than first or second. I think in her entire career, she was only beaten like a mm-hmm. length and a half total. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, coming back from that life end, uh, potentially life ending uh, injury uh, when she had laminitis, and just what a great job uh, Chad Brown's done. So it's really interesting, you know, watching these guys, you know. Fletcher, you know, Chad Brown, you know, Baffert, and the friggin' stable of stars they have is just unbelievable. Yeah, Chad Brown is uh, still a, a youngster compared to uh, Todd Fletcher and Bob Baffert and Steve Asmussen. Uh, uh, Chad Brown's still a little, uh, you know, green behind the ears, but he had a mentor named Bobby Frankel who uh, obviously uh, taught him well and Chad Brown absorbed whatever lessons that Bobby gave to him, and I'm sure he's hoping to do something that Bobby was was never able to do, but to, to win a Kentucky Derby. And if, if Chad Brown keeps getting these nice babies, it's just a matter of when that is. Oh, he's getting them all right. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But he also absorbed from Frankel uh, a really abil- great ability to assess a turf horse. I mean, his record on the turf is phenomenal. Oh, there's no question about it. And success breeds success. So now people with nice turf horses from France and England and overseas, uh, probably Chad Brown has moved to the top of the list maybe as a turf trainer to to send the horse over for a a nice summer campaign. And uh, he does an unbelievable job in the grass races. Last year, he just had so many grass runners that he had an almost impossible time trying to keep them apart. Really? And, you know, uh, just to put an exclamation point on what you just said, uh, considering just his turf runners, um, he was the leading trainer on turf by earnings, winning over $16 million, more than double his next pursuer, and graded stakes wins with 31. The guy is just phenomenal. It, it's fun to watch, and he doesn't seem to have a big ego. You know, he just kind of moves along, does what he's got to do. But, man, he, he's got a 
great future uh, ahead of them. Well, uh, my producer's telling mm-hmm. me uh, that uh, we probably need, why don't we go to a little bit uh, of a quick break now, and we come back, we got uh, three three-year-old races, all of them with points that could affect uh, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, we're talking with the legendary handicapper and writer Richard Ng from Las Vegas. We're going to be right back. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, author and handicapper Richard Ng. We're going to dive in. we got three races to uh, look at before the top of the hour here. Uh, Rich, let's start out on the East Coast uh, with the slightly short field, uh, the 138th running of the Withers. Some great horses have come out of this race, including Citation. Uh, and But the thing is, you know, it just looks like, there's two horses that really come to the top for me, and there's probably another horse that I like. Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll throw them out there, and then I'll have you uh, give me your mm-hmm. input. Um, Marconi, you don't sell for $2 million unless you're from a great family and look awfully good with confirmation. Uh, got beat in his first race, trade by Todd Pletcher. Of course, he was bumped on the start there and uh, made a late rally, ran second. Then Pletcher decides to put blinkers on. Uh, goes off odds on and just romps in this maiden race. Uh, he, he looks extremely dangerous, but so does Avery Highland. This is a horse who uh, has comes into this race with, with the best back-to-back buyer figures and has won at a mile. This race will be a mile and an eighth, which is interesting because this is kind of early in the season to ask him to go nine furlongs. So Avery Island, Godolphin homebred, Kieran McLaughlin has already won at a mile on his 16th and likes Aqueduct, has a first and a second Aqueduct 
uh, both of them uh, graded stakes races. And I think the other horse to maybe fear or put into your exotics here is uh, Fearens Fire. Yeah, the uh, you know the, the I guess it's Forensi Fire uh, from the rail uh, beat Good Magic, who you know was a champion two year old, but he, he right. beat that horse in the Champagne at Belmont Park. So it labels the, the quality of this animal, and uh, then first time out this year won the Jerome. So this is the next natural step uh, for him. Um, Avery Island uh, is a horse who's already battle tested. Uh, two turns, winning uh, the the, the uh, actually the Nash was probably a one turn mile at Aqueduct, but went two turns in the runs and ran second. The Catholic boy, and the uh, Marconi's been handled like fine china, job, But you know you've been in racing a long time. When was the last time you see, uh, see a two year old first two races of his career run at nine furlongs? So uh, it, it tells you what the puncher thinks about him. This is a he thinks this is a a, a long winded animal mile and a quarter off of that type of. Scenario it doesn't seem to be much a probably would not be a problem in the Kentucky Derby if he can get there. But I'll throw a horse out. You know the thing about horse racing is we we can look down the road eighty ninety days from out of the Derby, but we want to cash a ticket on Saturday. I think your folks want to throw a horse in that's going to have a little meat on the bones. And, uh, it, it might be pretty dangerous in shipping out from Florida the number three horse Bell Harbor. Uh, I probably if. If I was going to pick a derby horse, I, I would take one of the other three over Bell Harbor. But as far as tomorrow's race, I think this horse is awful dangerous coming up from Gulfstream for Pletcher. Pletcher trying to separate all the three-year-olds he has, so he's sending this one up along with Marconi. But at 6-1, to one, I, I think this horse offers an awful lot of value. Well, just to co-sign your, your comment on Marconi uh, as a two-year-old do, doing two races at nine furlongs, he is a half-brother to Mucho Macho Man, who won the Breeders' Cup Classic. Yeah, and Mucho Macho Man, that's the race that uh, Val Harbour just came, just came out of at Gulfstream. He ran in the second in the Mucho Macho <laughs> Man, so there's some linkage. <laughs> Named after his brother. All right, well, uh, let's go down to Gulfstream right now. A race that uh, has produced more Kentucky Derby starters than any other race uh, I've researched recently. Um, not that they all won, but this race is, is a springboard. A mile and a 16th, um, grade two, $350,000. And uh, it seems to me the two that most people fear in here are coming out of the Kentucky Jockey Club, and that's the winner, Enticed who uh, Karen McLaughlin just decided to pass on the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He thought, you know, this is a colt uh, by Medaglia Dioro that uh, needs some development. He's also a colt that beat good magic and uh, overcame a lot of trouble in that Kentucky Jockey Club. I remember a horse went down. Uh, he had he had to come out, and he got bumped. Uh, he, he, you know, t- t- checked off a lot of boxes in there. So enticed in, in gets a hard look from me, as does, of course, you know, uh, Kentucky-based trainer Dale Romans has Tiz Mischief, who rallied from 10th in that same race and just finished ahead behind. Again, opted not to go. Uh, to the Breeders' Cup, but boy, he looks like a horse that uh, it, it just sets up for distance. Those are the two that rise to the top for me. Uh, and this is another case we saw. Pletcher had three in the last. Romans has four in this one, but word is he may scratch <laughs> one or two. 
Yeah, and, and this is a very interesting race as far as the strategy. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, where in the uh, Pegasus you had uh, a horse like Gunrunner started from an outside post with a short run to the turn. Now we've got a mile in the 16th race with an even shorter run to the first turn, which really hurts the outside horses. And one of the outside horses, John, I would absolutely love if he had gone inside in Mississippi. Um, I remember watching that race last time in Gulfstream Park where he went ding-dong with Noble Indy. And uh, those two staged a race that uh, was good enough to be a, a derby prep, but it was just a, a condition race. But uh, I think the world of the future of the 11, Mississippi, but uh, with that draw and with uh, the, some of the opponents in this race, I think uh, if Mark Cassie can just get a good run out of this animal, uh, that'll set him up for you know the next step. Uh, as far as the, the horses you mentioned, uh, uh, Entice definitely uh, uh, very strong uh, off the uh, Kentucky Jockey Club, and so is uh, Tiz Mischief. Uh, if I was probably going to maybe mention another horse or two to, to, to throw in with that bunch, uh, a horse that I'm kind of looking at is the four audible, one of the Pletchers, Javier Castellano gets this ride. This horse has won uh, two straight at Aqueduct and now tries a little longer distance in Stakes Company for the first time. New York bred, which might make some overlook or draw a line through this horse, but as we've seen, John, the New York bred program is an awful lot better than people remember it from 20 years ago. There's some Absolutely. serious racehorses coming out yeah, of New York. So so Audible is a horse that I would give uh, some attention to at 6-1. to one. And uh, another one is the two free drop Billy, if... Um, you can be a forgiving handicapper and draw a line through a, a, a tough trip, tough performance in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. This horse has some good races behind them in the Breeders' British Futurity at Keeneland and also the Hopeful and uh, could wake up at a square price too. So the two and the four are price horses, I think, uh, to throw into your mix. All right. Again, we're talking to professional handicapper and author Rich Ng. My producers tell me I got two minutes left, so I saved the toughest race of all for for you for the last two races. Uh, the Robert B. Lewis, uh, I guess the, the horses that come to the top for me is uh, Mike Smith's Mount Peace. Richard Mandela is mm-hmm. throwing blinkers on, even though he just came out of a nice uh, maiden. And then you've got Shiver Me Timbers, who's probably, as far as speed figures are concerned, is the most consistent of them all. Not sure what happened in the sham. And it'll be interesting to see uh, how Lombo uh, does uh, stretching out. Yeah, of the three races we're talking about, this is probably the weakest, even though I think maybe the best three roles are in Southern California, but you know, you don't have Bolt Diaro and you don't have Salamini. Uh, you have four horses uh, that are just coming out of their maiden special weight win, John, and you've got two maidens on the outside. So, you know, as far as uh, potential, maybe yes. As far as uh, actual performance, uh, maybe no. But uh, out of the horses I look at, I might like the number five, uh, Shiver Me Timbers. Uh, Bayer Arnold takes over. This is a uh, uh, horse from Jerry Hollendorfer. Didn't run too badly in the champ for first stakes opportunity, but uh, trailed a horse called McKenzie, who's another sharp West Coast three-year-old from Bob Baffert. So comes out of a pretty strong race uh, chasing that one. And I think this horse experience-wise has a, has a huge, huge uh, advantage over the rest. 
Well, he certainly does. I mean, if you look at him, he's got the most uh, consistent buyer figures. Rich, I got 60 minutes on the clock. Anybody else you wanted to uh, just mention quickly here in the Robert B. Lewis? Well, maybe, uh, you know, you talked about peace. I know this horse has been highly regarded. Uh, finally uh, broke the maiden in the third try last time out. And um, you know, maybe a sleeper horse because the DeSormos are, are kind of sneaky Cajuns. And maybe the, the one horse, Ayakara, could wake up. I know this horse exiting a grass race. But DeSormo, DeSormo, they, they seem to do pretty well together. So uh, maybe you could throw that horse onto the ticket. That's, this horse is 8-1 to one in the morning on all right. Well, we've been talking with Richard Eng. Rich, always a pleasure to have you on Winning Ponies. I wish you nothing but the best. I know I've only got uh, 30 seconds left, but if somebody wants to find out uh, kind of like uh, to get in touch with you, where do they go? Well, two things real quick. One is I'm writing columns still for America's Best Racing. That's sponsored by the Jockey Club. And I do have picks for sale, John. They're, they're available on Ralph Siraco's website, uh, RacedayLasVegas.com. Just go to my homepage. You can see directions on how to buy my sheet. $6.50 for a Southern California daily sheet. Can't beat the price yet. All right. Rich Eng, thanks a million for joining us. Also want to thank Patricia McQueen and her quest to keep uh, the legend of Secretariat alive. I want to thank our producer, Matt Widener, for keeping me on track. I want to thank mostly you for listening. Remember, if you got a buddy that missed the show, tell him, hey, it's on podcast. You can listen to it tomorrow. So for Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.